You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on our exclusive coverage of our recap series on the television series entitled Third Watch. We are now into the 13th episode, the unlucky, the lucky, whatever you want to say, uh, episode of season two. It's called Duty. That's Duty, not Duty. Get your mind out of the gutters, those who are thinking it's a duty or something like that. No, that's just me who thinks that. I don't know. I'm just a dickhead. Uh, but it's a, it's an interesting episode. Very interesting episode indeed. Uh, and I feel that uh, we might have some conflicting opinions on some stuff this uh, episode when it comes to uh, things that we're here to talk about. Uh, this episode first aired on the 29th of January in the year 2001. It was written by our beloved co-showrunner Ed Alan Bonero and directed by our bestie director Guy Norman B. Uh, so hello to our friends who are hanging out listening to this episode. Maybe I'm not too sure. My name is Ben and my clothes look a hell of a lot better on you than they do on me. And my name is Darvell. First off, what the hell are you doing wearing my clothes? And, <laughs> and secondly, <laughs> and secondly, heavy, heavy quote from the episode here, but it's one of my personal favorites. If you had one chance to help the one person who completely changed your life, what would you do? Nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'm a dick. Well, um, <laughs> if I like, that's a heavy question because a person who changes your life doesn't necessarily change it for the better. So if um, I had an opportunity to help said person, I'd have to think about that long and hard. <laughs> Let's get deep in the episode already. All right. Uh, <laughs> what would you do, Darbell? We'll get to that. We'll get, to, we'll get, well, we'll get to that. Okay. All right. We'll get to that. Uh, but we're to duty. Um, again, maybe this will be a duty. Who knows? Um, look, it's an interesting episode. As I said at the end of last episode, True Love, kind of... Uh, I'm indifferent on this episode. I mean, I love this season. I think season two, again, by far to me, the best season of Third Watch and probably one of the best overall complete TV series of all time. I think that'll be reflected in my overall reviews because no matter what I do with this episode, I feel that like from this point on, every episode goes back into buy it mode. I really think in this moment forward, there is going to be no poor episodes of Third Watch for this season. So... um I always kind of knew that there would be a couple this season that maybe would test my buyer abilities. Um, you know, we obviously had that with history, and this is an this is the next one. Like, I'm not going to be in this episode. Can I just point out? I don't hate this episode, but I'm going to be intrigued to see what I do at the end of this episode because I don't even know myself, and I'm not just you know being the surviving survivor jury member. Oh, I don't know who I'm voting for. Yes, you do. Um, I'm just kind of going out there with it. So. Um, I'm looking forward to maybe my mind being swayed a certain way or the other. Uh, sounds like, Darvell, you've got a few differing opinions on this one than I do, so we might have a bit of differing thought processes, but uh, do you have much to add kind of on uh, duty here before we get into the swing of things? Oh, like I, Well, like I said in the end of the last episode, you know, I'm looking forward to it for the same reason, because we're going to clearly differ on some things, but like I said... We don't have to agree on absolutely everything. And I think they'd make for more compelling listening, to be honest. Yeah, true. That's a very good yeah. point. I mean, yeah. I'll just say this straight away. Like, my issue with this episode is that the Sully storyline to me falls into a bit of the Doc storyline from history. It's kind of, it's there. Okay, we need a bit of a different side to Sully's character. But it's just like, it's difficult. And I think kind of, 
Is it your dirty kid moment? In a way, but I, I, I think you can defend the Sully one more than the Doc one just because it's directly connected to what happened. Like, it's you kind of connect it to what happened with Tatiana and we get that very powerful line that he'll say at the end of the episode when he's like, this morning I woke up so happy I'm never going to do that again or not make that mistake again. And as a as a person, as well, clearly I'm a person, I think I'm a person, uh, I can I can heavily... No, you're a mutant from outer space. Thank you for breaking my secret. Uh, I... Um, <laughs> I heavily relate to Sully when we get to that scene. So, like, it's... I don't know. Like, this is kind of where this e- the episode is going to be interesting because there's definitely some dirty kidness to Sully's storyline. Um, but I think it ties in a little bit more with what we'll get, whereas Doc's... It did to a point, but, you know. Whereas the Bobby stuff... <laughs> it's just like, let's give Bobby a storyline. Like, Bobby definitely has the dirty kid storyline this episode. Again appropriate that it's Bobby, um, because, like, we'll get to Bobby. There's, there's some just elements of his storyline, which to me sums up Bobby Cannavale's thought process on him being in third watch at this point. Um, so, uh, the one redeeming overall story arc from this one, which people are probably going to look, really, Ben, you're going to go for that one, which is just pointless. It is definitely Dirty Kid. I'm not going to defend it that it's not a Dirty Kid storyline. It's Carlos and Kim. Uh, it's just funny. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right, we've we've covered yeah, the whole episode. She admi- That's Judy. She admires uh, me. <laughs> yes, she admires me. Um, we start off Sully checking himself out in the mirror. Good old soul dog. He's gotten laid the night before. Um, you look good, John. There's Tatiana. Um, making making herself in the kitchen, making a breakfast. Is shuffled back over to her house to get some eggs and bacon and shit. You like eggs? Let's just be honest. Tatiana's whole point in this show right now is to, like, survey John Sullivan. Every single thing is, you like sex, John? You like eggs? You like live music? You like my butt in these jeans? Like, that's all that Tatiana (laughs) is doing right now, is surveying John Uh, Sullivan. (laughs) To find out what he likes and what he doesn't like. I conduct survey poll for glorious nation of Ukraine. You like sex? <laughs> you like eggs? You like Hillary or Rudy? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she mentions that, but that would have been funny. Um, I wish all survey people oh, looked God. that good and did stuff like that. I'd be down for doing more surveys. Um, but <laughs> no, no, I mean, I don't think she goes. I don't think she asks him if he likes if he likes Hillary or Rudy. But that would have been funny um, if she had gone that far. It's a sweet scene. Like it is such a sweet it little is. scene, and she's making him breakfast, and you know, walking around in a cop shirt. And I like watching a man eat. Um, which, look, can I be honest with you? Like, it's, I'm not a woman, I think. The last test came back inconclusive, but that's another episode. But I, <laughs> I, I'm with Tatiana. Like, I, I don't like watching men eat. Uh, again, don't quite swing that way yet. Give me another few seasons and clearly I'm going that way on this show. Um, but I, I like it when I cook for a girl and they, I like watching a girl eat. I'm kind of that way too. Like, it's something like, I've, like, I've been out with girls who will just order the salad. And it's like, okay, cool, salad. I mean, I like a salad, but that's all you're going to eat? Okay, fair enough. Like, I like it when a girl will eat. And I'm not saying, like, I necessarily like bigger girls. I've been out with bigger girls, skinnier girls, in-between girls. But, like, I I like the fact that when a girl, like, will eat. I don't know. It's just a thing. I don't know if you have a thing like that, Darvell. Like, do you like watching a girl 
do the dishes. That's sexist, Ben. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't make me ask questions about there women. Are... <laughs> I'm not making you ask shit. You're asking it all on your own. <laughs> Touche. Well done. Um... Yeah, but any... but to answer the answer your question, you know, it. I do think that there are some things, uh, just like Tatiana said, it say a lot about him. I think there are. I think there are some things that, and things you would never think of that when you watch someone do, it is very indicative of the kind of person they are. Yeah. Whether it's eating or maybe doing dishes, maybe cooking, male or female, having sex, or maybe, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> and maybe, maybe the way, maybe, maybe something, maybe this is really cliche, but maybe the way they talk. Yeah. Their speech patterns, their vocal habits, or whatever. Yeah, no, I mean I agree, and it's it's just this is kind of like I just like this scene, and just kind of it sets. Oh, we're just we're going. You think you're going places with this, and it's kind of like I guess I will give these props that kind of. I mean, we talk about the tragic nature of of Doc with what happens with, eventually with him. Sally, it's kind of like he's coming into this with a bit of a tragic background, and it's kind of he gets some good happen in his life and it gets taken. It's kind of a, a roller coaster with Sully that this will be a, an ongoing thing with him that he'll get good shit, then bad shit, good shit, bad. I mean, it's life. It's, it's, it's exactly what life is. Mm. And I, and I kind of think that this is where a lot of the time when I've, I've mentioned before that if you would overall relate to one character, Sully, I think has the most traits about him that I personally can relate to in terms of my life. So, um, you know, that's why I guess maybe I'll, I, I mean, part of the reason why I hold this higher than history. Um, but, you know, there, there are still definitely things about this episode which we'll get to. Um, Sally leaves the house. He's gotten laid. He's happy. Um, but instead, uh, who pulls up? The IAB. Here we go. Bum, bum, bum. They pull him over. They take him away. Um, they, ta- they take away basically everything. Um, and, yeah, they just, it's kind of random. Like, is this what the IAB really does? Like, would they not... Couldn't just, tell you. Would they just not... Oh, I thought you were a dirty cop, Darville. Sorry. Um, I just... <laughs> apparently, I'm just being an idiot. Um, but, like, I would assume they would wait till he gets to the, the police station and... I don't know. It just seems a bit, you know, over the top that they've got to get him in an unmarked car and drive him to an undisclosed location. Um, but anyway, we kind of... We get uh, Bosco um, talking about his dream. He was naked in the West. Um, Davis is... <laughs> Was it a supermodel and did she escape? <laughs> yeah, I love that line. Um, Davis is walking around impatiently looking at his watch. Um, we <laughs> get great little Bosco scene here of, you know, Sully back on the pony. Wait a minute, is this his first? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, it might be because it's never really implied that he was ever with anyone before. Oh, he dated that German Lufthansa person. Uh, Sully's had sex before. Come on. He's been around a bit. Uh, not like he's not no Jimmy, but, you know, he, Sully's the... He like he'll get into a long term relationship guy and he's with that person for a while but then it ends. Then he's single for a while, but then he'll go with someone again. Like he's not out there playing the field. But you know, he's just he's Mr. Stable. That's to me what Sully is. So I'm not saying he's got a number in the double digits, but like <laughs> No. Um, anyway, so, um, we get the esteemed, uh, Sergeant Christopher back again, 
Um, and he's going to make Davis his driver, which just, just pay note to this uh, storyline of Davis being a driver. Because uh, in about a it season and a half sense. time, it comes back again. Not with Sergeant Christopher, but it comes back again. So with an even with an even bigger dick. Exactly, exactly. Um, so Sully not coming in today. He's obviously being kidnapped by the IAB. This is where we get our first little Kim and Carlos random scene. Carlos is there doing his schoolwork. So, kind of going back a couple episodes ago, and uh, it was actually history, wasn't it? Where we thought that um, Carlos was done with his schoolwork. No, nope, he's still studying. Um, and <laughs> Kim just... And apparently he sucks at making coffee. Well, he does. I just... I like... This is... Kim and Carlos is sort of a duo that's, you know, never overly explained. I mean, they obviously get a very nice little moment when Kim leaves the show in season six. Um, and, you know, it's kind of... It's it's never fully explored, this this pairing, as, like, friendship-wise, obviously, romantic-wise, never... But um, it's still kind of like... I just like their kind of scenes together when we get Kim Raver and Anthony Rebovar. They're kind of fun. And just like, you know, Kim here. Oh, it's impressive you doing all this work. Uh, you know, I admire you. And then kind of like Carlos as he sort of... Totally look, misreads it. This like <laughs> this little look. And then just the way Carlos laughs. Um, and again, like I talk about relating to Sully. I'm Carlos in this moment. If I've got some hot chick saying that they admire me... I'm assuming they're into me. This goes back an episode ago where I'm saying, I think girls are into me when they're not, and I don't know when they are into me and they are. So to me, I'm Carlos in this scene. I'm like, oh my God, she's into me. She likes me. So like, I'm definitely there. I don't know if you've had much experience with that, Darvel, but yeah, it's it's fun. Actually, yes. There you go. I have, actually. Look at you, Mr. Lothario. <laughs> Calling you the Jimmy. <laughs> no, I'm not the Jimmy. I'm not that close. Oh, don't sell yourself but short, I, But I have... <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> this is the part where I... you meant to go along with it. You meant to go, yeah, I'm totally Jimmy. Yep. I'm, uh... <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but, uh... Anyway, so we're back to... We'll, we'll revisit Kim and Carlos because it's a fun little storyline. Um, yeah. So we're back into the, uh... Sully, he's back in the car. We learn about a... Officer Jackowitz, uh, Jankowitz, Jackowitz, um, who's uh, basically cooperating with the cops, telling stories about past arrests. And there's a former person, a murderer called Styles, who uh, basically he's claiming they falsified evidence to get him convicted. Uh, and then this is where they're trying to help out Sally. Sally's saying, I don't need any help. Um, and yeah, so we've kind of got that scene. Um, then here we go. We've got a bit of Bobby and Kim to come. So. Kim and Bobby in the ambulance. Bobby's just laying around, looking tired. Apparently, he hasn't been sleeping because he's been having dreams. Now, this this whole situation here with Bobby, this just, I've written here, sums Bobby Cannavale up. He's bored of Third Watch right now. He's laying around. He's like, Ugh, when are they going to make me do something? He's literally laying in this ambulance, about to pass out of boredom. And, like, his excuse is, oh, haven't been sleeping. Let's be honest, that's kind of our go-to excuse when you're not feeling the best and you don't want to go into detail why. It's like, oh, yeah, just haven't been sleeping. I've been having dreams. Now, the the thing with this is just, it's just kind of like, I just think it's funny that kind of we have this in this episode with Bobby just to kind of have this storyline with him. But, like, it's just, this is never explored. Like, I kind of guess, like, with Bosco, it's kind of a bit of a, you know, a comedy hour when it's like Bosco's been having these dreams and kind of what that will lead to. 
But this is never explored about Bobby having dreams. Like, it's just a random thing. Like, what dreams is Bobby having? Is this foreshadowing to what is about to happen to him in a few episodes' time? I mean, we, we, we know clearly... I don't think so. You don't think so? I mean, what what's your re- no. belief on this thing? I think maybe he's... He's well. I mean, we've established he's bored. He's burning. The character is burning out on being a paramedic. Maybe he's having dreams about. I mean, if he's having trouble sleeping, then no doubt there, he's probably having nightmares about some of the things that he's seen on the job. Maybe. It's just never. It's never explored though, and this is kind of, I guess, a bit of my problem with this episode, and just like with Bobby, like it's just legitimately to me, and, like, I feel bad saying about the writers, because, obviously, you know, Ed Allen Bonero wrote this episode, but, like, it's just... I, you can just see why Bobby Cannavale wanted to leave this show. We're, we're 13 episodes into this season. He's done nothing except wash a dirty kid and make out with Taylor. That's all he's done this season. And, basically, you know, they've finally gone, oh, we'll give you a storyline. Oh, what is it going to be on? Oh, it's a former teacher of yours that changed your life who wants to be helped, you know, to be put to sleep permanently. Fair enough. I get the issues and kind of what they're doing with it. But again, this is just typical dirty kid storyline. It's like, reference this in a few episodes time when we've got what's coming back into this show. Because, like, even, like, I'm not going to dismiss how they get Bobby out of this show because I think kind of, you know, it's important when we get to those episodes. Um, But, like, even kind of the storyline that is brought back to with to what happens to him. I've got a, I've got another idea, which I think they should have gone with that, that we'll get to that. I think that they should have related it more to, to Maddie and his brother, which we'll get to, but yeah, I don't know. Like just Bobby laying in the ambulance, half asleep, looking so bored, sums up Bobby Cannavale in third watch in season two to me, that one scene that, that to me, I don't know. Like if you got anything to add on that, but and I feel bad because like, I like Bobby. I like the character of Bobby, but, like, as we established at the end of season one, just from a certain point, Bobby, hashtag, Bobby goes nowhere. That's, like, they just, they were done with him. Yeah, I don't like this little, this little scene here. I will agree with you there. But I do like the story. I, I did, I did like the storyline involving the former teacher, which we'll get to, of course, as it progresses. Well, we're getting to that right now, because the the call they get, and actually, one thing I want to quickly add... Um, more further evidence that Joey is a demon child, uh, cause Kim's like, oh, I'm staying up late oh, at night cause God. Joey's playing video games at night. Uh, I, I told Jimmy not to get in the damn thing. A, Kim, you're his mother. He shouldn't be up that late at night playing video games. And B, why is he up late playing video games? <laughs> like, Joey the demon <laughs> and what child. what video games is he playing? Exactly. Um, so, anyway, uh, so, yeah, we'll get to the call, we're at this house, we've got a, uh, an older gentleman and a, and a woman, and, um, she starts going, Bobby, Bobby Caffey, oh, was she a teacher? Oh, I had her in 11th grade, uh, this is Francine Bradley, Mrs. Bradley, um, now, I just want to point out, Linda, Linda Emmond, uh, is her name, gotta, gotta point out here, Linda, how the hell is this teacher old enough to have taught him in 11th grade? Like, Okay, so we hear that he was 15 in 11th grade. That's a bit different here in Australia. I was 17 when I was in week order grade 11 on 11th grade. Uh, you know, okay, sure, you can give a, take a few, you might have skipped a few grades, who knows. Um, and it might work differently in America compared to how it works in Australia. Uh, and also, like, okay, so Bobby's at least 
mid to late 20s. Let's say Bobby's 28, 29. So 13 years, 14 years ago, she was his teacher. She looks about five years older than Bobby. So, like, she... I mean, she looks good. Like, I've just looked at, uh, looked up her age here. Linda Edmond was born in 1959. So, at the time of this episode, that would have made her 41. Uh, so, how old is Bobby Cannavale? He was born in 1970. Okay, well, fair enough. So, she is uh, 11 years older than him. But she looks good. So, it's entirely possible. It's, it's very possible. I mean, she could have been a young teacher or something like that. I mean, I... You know, realise teachers... It's not unheard of. Not at all, but maybe this not is just more props to Linda Emmond, that she looks young. She looks fantastic for her age. So, I mean, that was just to me. The one thing that I kind of was like, really? She's that old to be his teacher from that age? So, but yeah, it's, I guess, nice little scene. Uh, but so we find out that, yeah, that's the teacher. We'll get, obviously, more to this storyline. It's, again, hashtag Bobby has a storyline. Uh, meanwhile, Sully's got his badge turned in. Um, he's been suspended. You're a couple of jag-offs, you know that? Give, give us that Darvel in a, in a Sully voice. <laughs> Alrighty. You're a couple of jag-offs, you know that? <laughs> Which, like, jag-off is an interesting yeah, word. I don't know, know if we really talk too much about the word jag-off. I'd never heard of it until I watched no. Third Watch. And I, I read, or it was... Third Watch... Go for it, go for it, Darvel. Yeah, yeah, Third Watch actually got a lot of heat from from New Yorkers for using that, because that is actually according to Ed Bonero, or at least I think it was Ed Bonero, that is actually a Chicago term. You're up. That's exactly what I was about to say. I, I read or saw something with Ed Alan Bonero that he said uh, that, yeah, he brought that over from Chicago because a lot of, I mean, again, we've, I think the, the term third watch, again, never used in New York because it was a Chicago thing and Ed Alan Bonero was a former Chicago cop. So he brought a lot of Chicago terminology into New York uh, with third watch. Um, so... Some of them actually started using it, too. Yeah. Like, the paramedics and the yeah, firefighters, you, you're, some of them actually you're right. started using they it. They started, did calling the shift the third watch shift. The one thing, actually, would be interesting, we kind of talked a little bit last episode about what we can find out from, you know, Ed Allen Bonera if we ever get him on the show. I'd actually love to ask him about what drew him to setting this show in New York. I'm not complaining. I mean, part of why I love New York so much is growing up watching this show is part of many reasons. And I think, as we've always talked about, New York is definitely a character of this show. So in no way do I not want this show set in third uh, in New York. But, like, I would love to kind of know what drew them to setting it because given Ed Allen Bonero's background of Chicago... ER with John Wells set in Chicago. So, like, I, I kind of think, and like, given how connected you could have made these shows, like, I would imagine if these, if, if ER and Third Watch were created a decade later than they were, in a world where like all the CSIs are connected and all the Chicago Police, PD, Chicago MD, all these shows are connected, you know, the Law and Orders, the, uh, NCISs, like, I do not doubt that they might have actually created Third Watch in Chicago, because then you could have had a lot more tie-ins between ER and Third Watch. Like, you could have legitimately had these paramedics taking these uh, patients all the way into county in ER. So, like, you know, it's kind of... I I think there'll be an interest, and maybe it comes down to the filming costs and everything, because obviously with ER, the only time they ever actually film in Chicago with ER is when they did exterior shots that called for it. Everything else was filmed on a soundstage at the uh, Warner Studios in LA. I know, I've been, I've seen the ER set when I was on the Warner Studios. Um, Whereas New York, obviously everything was filmed for Third Watch in New York. None of it was done on a set. 
So I'm guessing kind of they maybe wanted to go for that realism and maybe, you know, because, I mean, New York is clearly a setting for a majority of films and TV anyway, but maybe it also came mm-hmm. down to it's cheaper to film uh, in the open in New York than in Chicago. I mean, Darvell, I've never watched Chicago PD and all these other Chicago ones are there. I don't know if you know if they film them actually in Chicago or are they done on sets and exteriors. Done I think they do actually. I think they do actually film them in Chicago. I know they do Chicago Fire mm-hmm. in Chicago, and I'm pretty sure they do PD in Chicago. I don't know about Med. Right. But- yeah. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love Chicago. Chicago is like one of my favorite cities in the world. It's such an amazing city. But. Um, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to take away from the fact that this uh, is set in New York and we're getting sidetracked again here, this all based off the term jag-off. But, um, yeah, I mean, with Ed <laughs> Allen's, uh, you know, experience working in Chicago, I mean, that that definitely be a question I'd love to ask him, is why was this show set in New York? Like, why didn't you set this in Chicago? Uh, you could have connected a lot more with ER. Uh, which obviously we'll get next season. But, um, yeah, anyway. But my point is, he calls them jag-offs. Sully's forced to walk home. Uh, I love, how am I supposed to get home? I don't give a rat's ass. Uh, so, um, yeah. nice little scene. Um, uh, we're at the hospital. Uh, Bobby's talking to, uh, I don't know if it's a husband or boyfriend. It's never kind of implied who he is. To husband, her. husband, probably. Um, okay. Well, his character's name is Victor Bradley. So clearly they're married. Um, they must've been together for a long time then, obviously, if, uh, Bradley, Bradley, Mrs. Bradley, uh, and played by Jim Moody, who I'm just looking here. He's been in lots of things. He looks familiar. I've seen him in a few other things. Uh, funnily enough, he's in that show New York Undercover that we talked about last episode with Patty D. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there's a bit of a random connection for you. Um, so Bobby's just basically saying, um, I feel weird talking about Bobby saying something. It's weird talking about Bobby's storyline. Um, they have to drain the fluids. I'll come back and check on her later. Uh, meanwhile, Sully comes back home. Tatiana's there. Um, and I kind of like Sully. What are you dressed up for? Oh, I get called into work. Um, like Sully's already questioning his one night stand because let's be honest, they're not in a relationship yet. Um, and then Tatiana, nope. there were some bullies here before. Um, and obviously they've come in and they've trashed Sully's apartment and this is kind of where Sully's happiness gets dwindled and he kind of just blocks poor Tatiana out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so we then get back in uh, Kim and Bobby. They're in the ambulance. Do you have a teacher that ever changed your life? Mr. Romano for Kim. Um, And then... Mrs. Bradley for Bobby. And then we kind of get this last little storyline about how uh, Bobby might have turned out like Maddie had not been for uh, Mrs. Brad. I kind of like, I do like the sort of the connection here to Maddie, that we get a reference to Maddie and they haven't forgotten the character's name like they'll do with Doc's wife. Um, but then, you know, he, what does he say? Like, oh, wor-, Kim's like, oh, worse than Maddie? And he's like, oh, well, you know, Maddie just got caught. I never got caught. So, like, you know. And Kim's just like, I have a hard time picturing that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we kind of get just a little scene there, a bit of a background there of why Bobby's so, uh, I guess endeared to this teacher. Uh, did you have a teacher, Darvell, that changed your life? Here's a question for you. Probably my fourth grade teacher. And what was so special about your fourth grade teacher? Well, um, fourth grade... Up until fourth grade, I'll admit I didn't take I, – I, I really don't think I took school very seriously. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was I – I mean, I'm, 
smart, capable, definitely knew the stuff, but never really applied myself. This teacher, she would, especially especially on days where I would come back after 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 missing a day of school for whatever reason, she would make she would not she would make me stay after and work on whatever it is I needed on whatever it was I needed to make up. She would work with me through it, and she would always she was very encouraging to me to you know do whatever I took whatever I took home for for homework to to you know get it get it done. Now first part of my fourth grade year. Uh, I was still in the mindset of, oh fuck this, this is homework. I'm not doing it. Second part, second semester, whatever of my uh, fourth grade year. Um, I mean, she she just she just never gave up on me. Her name was Mrs. Randolph, by the way. Mrs. Randolph. Um, she never Randolph. Yeah, she never she never gave she never gave up on me. She kept pushing me to apply myself. Finally, one night, I remember I went home with. I don't remember how much homework I had. Did it? Came in the next day. First question out of her mouth was, "Did you do your Did you do your homework last night?" Now, keep in mind, she had asked me this every day up to that point, and I always gave her some half-assed excuse as to why I couldn't. So she was ex- as to why I didn't. So she was expecting another one of those from me. Right. When I said that I had got it done, that I had done it, I I'll never forget what she said. She said. And to some, this may seem like a tiny thing, but but she actually said to me, she was like, "Darvell, I'm so proud of you. I could hug you." Wow. And and she and she actually and from that point from that point on that night that I made that decision, I mean, I my I turned my grades around, and I actually um, I at the end of the school year, she presented the class various members of the class with various uh, rewards for or awards whatever for you know exceptional exceptional achievements in class or whatever and you can see where this is going I got one for you know making for basically you know stri- straightening myself out getting my getting my grades turned around and it was it was of course, as as uh, Mrs. Bradley said to Bobby, and as I'm sure Mrs. Randolph would say to me if I ever encountered her again, you were ready for a change. I just happened to be the teacher of record at the time. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I love kind of hearing stories like that because, you know, I think it's kind of, you know, I guess not necessarily teachers change, like not always change your life, but I mean, um, I mean, I had my year 11 uh, journalism teacher, uh, Mr. Medwin, Tim Medwin, we were allowed to call them by their first name uh, in, in year 11. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say he changed my life, but I mean, he just, he was such a great teacher, such a fun teacher, and really, I guess, kind of like helped me with passion for like journalism, and, and he sort of got me into radio. So, um, I mean, sort of before all that, I was kind of on a mindset that I wanted to do like TV. Uh, and I mean, I'd still like to do TV. Hello to all our TV networks listening. But, um, you know, like I, I never kind of thought about radio as an option and kind of through him and through that class, I got involved in radio and kind of, you know, been doing it ever since. So, um, yeah. yeah. I think you could do TV. I'm not that attractive, Darvell. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you very much. Um, the, the difference is, is I can sit here behind a microphone. You never know what my ugly face looks like. Oh, on TV, sadly, you do. But, um, you know... <laughs> Watch this space. I'll get. I'll get some surgery. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. 
We, uh, what are we here? So, uh, Yokus, uh, brings the newspaper to, to Davis, uh, and we're seeing here that, uh, obviously this Jackowitz has, uh, the story about the falsified evidence and potential dirty cops have, um, have made the news, made the late edition, and we kind of get a bit of a story here from, uh, Yokus that she knew Jackowitz for the first six months, um, you know, tells a bit of a story and then kind of, you know, Davis obviously straight away is like, oh, Sully didn't do this. You know, what happened to innocent to prove guilty? And Yokus makes a very good point with us. It's guilty until proven innocent. Um, and that's true. Which is true. It is definitely true. Uh, Davis rings up Sully's house, uh, but Sully doesn't answer the phone uh, with his destroyed car. It's kind of uh, car, uh, guitar. Ben, speak proper English. That would work. Uh, anyway, back to Bobby. She's back with Mrs. Bradley. Um, I kind of like just this little scene between the two of them. Is it just me or is it a little bit flirty? The way she's like, oh, you look good in a uniform. Uh, you know, better than that ratty jacket you had. I look cool in that jacket. Oh, not that cool. Uh, and you know, Mrs. Bradley, oh, call me Francine. You're not 15 anymore. Um, and then we have a nice little scene when he says like, oh, thanks for changing my life. And, you know, this sort of little scene. But then he says, oh, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And she's like, well, actually there is. She tells, obviously, the story about how... Um, now, cause we should mention, she's got ovarian... She has ovarian yeah. cancer, by the we way. We should mention, she has terminal ovarian cancer. Uh, so, hence why, kind of going back to our point uh, where her husband didn't want to call in the paramedics because, you know, this is obviously a common thing. She's sort of just bedridden with her, with her illness. Um, but she mentions here, this is the first time she's kind of felt like she was drowning. And, you know, you can't obviously, uh, imagine the, the pain and the, the tragic sort of feeling that that is. Uh, so she basically goes to Bobby and basically just asks him to kill her. Um, uh, like not to those lines, but obviously she wants to go out peacefully. Uh, she's asked doctors to do it. Uh, she can't get Victor to do it cause he's not strong enough. Um, you know, basically asking for her, his help so that she can go to rest peacefully and not have to die in pain. Now, this obviously, it's a topic of, you know, euthanasia, volun- you know, uh, assisted suicide, I guess. It's, it's a whole other kettle of fish in terms of the topic. Again, going into Third Watch about, you know, talking over the big issues and things like this. Uh, Bobby obviously says, can't do it. I'm sorry. And she's like, I shouldn't have asked. Uh, and this is kind of what this storyline's going to be, which, like... Uh, the thing that I find interesting is, like, what I felt we needed in this episode, and we'll get to this, no doubt, the continuation with Bobby stuff, we needed some sort of explanation scene to what changes Bobby's mind. Because it's like, Bobby goes home that night, comes back the next day, and he's all for it. And we can get he's conflicted, I get, you know, the the, the choice you got to make here, you know, what's right, what's wrong, I understand it. But, like, it's just, there's just a few little higgledy-piggledy scenes that we'll get to. Like, Kim thinks he's on drugs. Doc goes off at him. He kind of implies that he is stealing the drugs. But it's never, expo- like, dirtykidness.com. Um, and, again, I'm jumping ahead here. But, like, I just, I feel it's just, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you've got anything to add it to this point. Uh, you know, I know I'm jumping ahead with some of my opinions here. But there's just some, just some weirdness around this whole storyline. Because, again, like... You can kind of summarise this to Bobby kill someone. And, like, okay, I know it's a little bit not as black and white as that. Uh, but I don't know. You, uh, just anything to add up to this point, at least? No, not until we get to the part where where he where he uh, reveals it, so to speak. Yeah. I just, I just feel there's something missing from them. And, look, by all means, again, this could be a clear case of there was a scene filmed and it was deleted. 
Uh, so like, you know, I'm not saying maybe it was a dream. Maybe. maybe it was a dream. Maybe he had a dream that night of not helping Mrs. Bradley and well, watching maybe, her. Die yeah. Well, you make a good something. point. I don't know. Maybe you make a good point there. Maybe they can tie this into the dream sequence of like, Oh, I've been having these dreams that I have to help someone and I just don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Like, even though that sounds a bit like fantasy-esque, it's not like we haven't really had elements of that in Third Watch. I mean, after hours, they're hanging out with ghosts. So, I mean, you know, it's kind of, you can have these things sort of implied. And when we get to Bobby's final episode, that's very much fantasy-esque as well. So, it's kind of, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, we'll get to that in a minute. It just, it just seems like something's missing here, that we have this scene here of Bobby, I can't, I'm sorry, to neck minute, he's going off getting drugs, gonna kill her. So, um, not quite that obvious, Ben, but yeah, anyway. So, we'll get to that. Um, Sully <laughs> knocks on Tatiana's door. Uh, big story, it's on the news. Um, and then kind of, I like how she's, like, asking the question, like, did you do what they're saying? And he's just like, no. And he's like, oh, well, it's okay then. You're still going to be a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you almost want to say, uh, Tatiana, it's not that simple. It's... But you kind of have to let it slide with her because... Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like, just, you kind of, like, this is where you... You feel for Tatiana because, like, you know, she, she again, like, you can understand Sully, though, because Sully's going to be protective and puts his ball. And, again, it comes to that line of, like, oh, I was so happy this morning. I, sh- I won't make that mistake again. And just kind of, again, I, I feel for Sully in this episode and kind of what he's saying with this sort of stuff. But, anyway, um, we have Kim um, talking uh, here, like, oh, how many runs have we done today? Uh, 12, 13. Oh, is it, can we just have a yeah. quiet day? Is it too much to ask? Just remember that. Just yeah. remember that little line there from Kim about, can we have a quiet day? Is that too much to ask? We're going to get next episode. They're going to get a very quiet day. All right? So just remember that when it comes to them shooting potatoes off their roof. Uh, so- <laughs> which, which you have to admit, that was a little fun. That was, oh. a, pretty, that was a funny scene. Kim gets her wish <laughs> next week. So let's just yep. remember that. Uh, and I do like, though, like, I kind of like this line from Kim. Oh, can you get some sleep today? You're a real drag. Again, this is just Bobby. This is just... Bobby Cannavale's not acting at this point. Bobby Cannavale's going, oh, I'm bored. Can I... Am I written out of this show yet? <laughs> Give me something to do. <laughs> Davis shows up at Sully's house. Uh, sees Sully. Um, you know, nice little scene here. I believe you 100% got you back. <laughs> Um, and this is the line that Sully says, you know, I was really happy this morning. I won't make that mistake again, which again, I won't make that mistake again. That's me. That's, that's my viewpoint in the world. Like, uh, it's a real kind of side tangent story in one aspect, but it's, it sort of relates to this in a way. I, I, I've always been a pessimist. I'm a negative person. That's just me. It's my, it's my personality. I've always that way. I'll always be that way. Um, but like you and I have talked, I think a lot off air in terms of things to do with say like religion and you know, forcing people's beliefs down your throat, things like that. And, like, again, I'm of the belief everybody's entitled to their own opinion. You should have however you want to live, as long as it's a complete legal. I'm not saying pedophiles should be allowed to live how they live and rapists should be allowed to live how they live. That's a different kettle of fish. Oh, absolutely but, not. But uh, a long-winded example here, what I'm trying to say is uh, I, uh, the time of recording this, had posted a status update on my Facebook in regards to a, a sporting result, and I got into a bit of a debate back and forth with somebody about this result, and this person basically was all like, 
oh, you shouldn't hold grudges, you shouldn't do this sort of stuff, you know. I like to surround myself with happy and positive people. This is a guy I barely know. This isn't like a friend of mine. This is for some reason a guy is a friend of mine on Facebook. I don't even know why we're friends on Facebook. I know his face. I'm like, oh, yeah, him. He liked Survivor or something. That's about it. And he's basically chiming in on my status update saying I surround myself with this blah, 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 blah. To which I then reply... So what the... To which I replied, oh, well, fantastic. Please take your sunshine and rainbows out of my status update. K, thanks. Smiley face. To which he then promptly removed me as a friend, said some insulting things and left. Now, my point with this is, is, again, I'm a negative, pessimistic person. If I want to have that belief, that's my choice. It's my prerogative. I'm not necessarily going to express that out into the world as much as I used to, all that sort of stuff. I live and learn, all that sort of stuff. But, like, if you're a positive, happy person who likes to look at the world as, you know, glass half full and I'm going to wake up today and save a donkey and, you know, donate blood and, you know, fantastic, good for you. I'm glad that you can have a positive outlook on life. I'm not taking away from that. Just don't shove your opinions down my throat. If I want to live a negative life, I'll live a, ne- I'll live a negative life. Hence my connection here with Sully that I'm in the firm belief of as soon as something good happens to me, something bad will happen to me two days later, and I'm straight back into Sully mindset. Hashtag Ben's story of life. Hashtag opinion had no reason to this episode. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> had to have a rant there, Darvell. I felt it was building yeah. up in me. Yep, yep, yep. First, or is that the second Ben rant of the episode? Yeah, probably about the 13th. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but, um, again, really relate to one of my, One of my favourite quotes in terms of, and this, if people want to know me as a person, and you don't really, you don't give a shit, you want us to talk about Third Watch, fair enough. But, like, one of my quotes that I think sums up life in general, and it's from the esteemed movie Deadpool, uh, when and I, I don't know word for word, but when he basically says in Deadpool at one point, he says, uh, life is just one massive pile of crap interrupted by brief commercial breaks of happiness. So that, to me, <laughs> that's where I'm here with Sully. Uh, so, you know, anyway, yep, I just lost listeners. Oh, all the happy listeners have tuned out now. Oh, I was so happy listening to the Oz Network. Now I know it's fronted by a negative Nancy. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Go hang out with Jimmy. Uh, anyway, uh, so, <laughs> um, so Bobby shows up to the apartment, uh, speaks to Victor. Uh, you know what she asked me to do? And you, you know, I told her how I couldn't help her. But if I could, you'd be okay with that? And he has a bit of a nod. So again, like this is where we need context. We need Bobby. What changed his mind? Because he's literally showing up this guy's house to say, oh, I told her I couldn't do it. But if I could, you'd be okay with that. Like, what's the purpose of that conversation, Bobby? Just knock on the door and say, hey, so you know what she asked me to do. Um, if I did, would you be okay with that? Okay, cool, thanks. I'll go steal some morphine. Like, I mean, like, that's all he has to do. Not drag it out and be dick, Bobby, about, I told her I couldn't. But if I could... <laughs> I don't know. Like, am I just nitpicking this for nitpicking's sake? You can say yes. It's no. <laughs> no, because... You'll still have a job if you say yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Nothing to add, or...? Let me think. Oh, I'm, I'm thinking. Right. Do you want some, like, Jeopardy thinking music, or...? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Actually, I shouldn't do that. I'm probably breaking copyright. Uh, <laughs> careful, careful. We've broken our Jeopardy copyright license already. Stop! Stop! 
<laughs> We're just getting sued oh. by Jeopardy. <laughs> oh, please. I wonder, you, can you count the number of times that music is used? I don't like, even understand that show. Probably millions. I, like, we don't, like, I think they did a Jeopardy version in the 80s before I was born, but, like, when I watch it, when I've been in America and I watch it, I don't understand it. Like, why do you have to answer with a question? It's stupid. Like... <laughs> Take it up with Merv Griffin. Oh, hello, Merv. Um, we did an episode recently where we talked about Jeopardy. What was that? Oh, when we did White Men Can't Jump. That's right. Uh, download that now via the Oz Network. We discussed Jeopardy. I remember having this same conversation with Colin. Uh, anyway, uh, I, I've lost the point of this question uh, about Bobby showing up here. I mean, I just feel we needed context. We needed context of why he changed his mind. Yeah. Yep, I, I, would, I would agree there, although I still theorize that you know, maybe what I said before, maybe he dreamed that night about not helping Mrs. Bradley and watching her drown in her own fluids, filling up her lungs or whatever it was. I don't maybe, know. Maybe, yeah. We should ask Linda, what's her name? Yeah, uh, hi, Linda. We've got her on the line. Uh, Linda Emmond, how are you? Good, thanks, Ben. Um, I don't know. Okay, thanks, Linda. <laughs> Appreciate your time here on the Oz Network. Um <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we've still got more to cover. Uh, back at the firehouse, yeah. Kim shows up. Kim's looking really cute. I like Kim in this scene. A very attractive Kim Raver showing up. In, I think she's in like a little jacket thing. Um, and I kind of like this little scene uh, between her and Carlos. And she's like, you know, oh, if Bobby comes in, tell him upstairs changing. Uh, oh, coffee. And oh, don't worry, I didn't make it this time. Oh, thanks. And just Carlos's cute little wave that he gives Kim as she walks off. And then he goes to, to Doc. She admires me. She admires me. <laughs> <laughs> then, like, then Bobby comes in. He's like, oh, damn it. You know, he broke two bottles of morphine. Oh, I wonder why you've done that. Um, you know, he's overreacting. You know, like, oh, it's okay, man. Accidents happen. Then kind of, we mentioned this last episode, how we've got some fun little moments from Carlos and Doc that we never get to see. So, like, this is a bit where Carlos is like, oh, it's okay. I broke a bottle of Epi last week. No, you didn't. You threw it Drop- at me. You threw it at You're me. You were being an ass again. You were again. being an ass again. <laughs> I want that scene. I want Carlos throwing a <laughs> bottle of Epi at Doc. <laughs> it's just so yeah, funny. Like, funny. where is this scene of, like, the hidden scene of Doc and Carlos having fights with each other with bottles of Epi? And why is Doc so bottles nonchalant Epi, about Epi, it? He's the supervisor. Whatever else. Shouldn't, shouldn't Doc be like, don't throw a bottle of Epi at me? We might need that to save someone's life. You're being written up here, Carlos Nieto. Like, why is he so nonchalant about it? <laughs> no idea. I just, I just love Carlos. You were being an ass again. Like, again? <laughs> so when he's, when he's Doc sitting around the ambulance going like, oh, we need to go save that man over there. No, we don't, Doc. Yes, we do. I'm God. Shut up, Doc. Throws a bottle of Epi at him. Like, is that the scene that happened? <laughs> I want to know why. This episode is like the, the Hidden Scenes episode. Like Michael Beach, Anthony Ruivivar. <laughs> Care to let us know? I have to get him back on the show again. Um, and then I love Bobby's, you know, angry Bobby. You know, he's got to find Kim. Obviously, we, we know why Bobby's in a bit of a mood. Uh, he's tired and wants to leave third watch. Um, like Carlos, Kim ever mentioned anything to you of how she admires me? And Bobby's just blank face uh, look. No. He's just like, <laughs> yeah. And then he just walks off. She looked, then, uh, you know, Carlos turns to Doc and Doc's like, you got a problem, man. Uh, just, yeah. This is where Carlos needs to throw another bottle of Epi. Stop being an ass to me, Doc. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> 
we need to see this. Like, we need to see Joey jumping from a fridge to the table being demon child. We need to see... Um, and we need to see him uh, playing video games. Showing, th- throwing Epi at Doc. Uh, I want I want my flashback episode of of um, Bosco ditching a, what that when they went skiing for the flight attendant, whatever that was. Uh, I want I want the episode of Bosco having the um, the chlamydia scare or whatever it was. It's okay, everyone got the medication. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's oh, oh there's, man, there's so many hidden stuff here that we need to see. Um, meanwhile, Sully's at the office. He's got his PBA attorney. He's got a cold or something. Um, I just, you know, he's here a lot. Great. We're obviously getting here to the legal mm-hmm. stuff of uh, Sully's case. Um, then we kind of get uh, this scene with Yosko and Bocus. Uh, that's what we're going to call them now. Yosko and Bocus. Uh, our beloved <laughs> duo of Yosko and Bocus. Um, <laughs> anyway, oh, Bosco and Yokus uh, in the car. Bos- <laughs> Yo- I like Yosko and Bocus. Good old uh, Bocus here doesn't want to work because uh, everybody, you know, it's not fair on all the cops that they automatically get strung along even though they might be innocent. Uh, Bosco talking about having a dream, falling off a bridge. Yokus wants to buy a book somewhere because they can't indict me for reading. Uh <laughs> <laughs> then we kind of get a bit of a, uh, you know, a, a scene here where we've got a guy who's being knocked off a bike, and I like how, like, Bosco and Yokus are talking to this guy. He came out of nowhere, and Yokus is just like, yeah, but you just kind of can't run over them. Um, and then this guy's a psychiatrist, so Bosco gives all the paperwork. Starts to asking them about dreams. Imagine Bosco going to a psychiatrist. I mean, I know there's actually will be a storyline in about a season's time when Bosco sort of goes to a psychiatrist. Um, but we, there's another side story. Was it the first season when he was like, I'll need, I'll get therapy. I need therapy. Uh, you know, we never got to see Bosco actually going to therapy that he promised he would go to yoga with. So, um... Meanwhile, Kim's on the phone asking for morphine. She wants five migs of morphine. Bosco says, oh, let's give her ten. Give him ten. Uh, take off the edge. And Bobby st- puts the morphine in his pocket. Kim sees it. Da, da, da. So um, it actually sh- it, it actually does show him pocketing the morphine. It does, yes. Yeah. So you see him do it and you see Kim seeing it. Now, again, another issue which I'll have to this uh, episode, which is when we'll get Kim confronting Doc in a moment, it's like... These two are best friends. These two are, like, so close. I mean, we know they're close in a certain way, but, like, it's always implied of their best friend relationship. And it's like, why doesn't she ask him? Why doesn't she just say? Why does she straight away go to Doc? Bobby, to me, has every right to go off at her the way he does at the end of this episode. You think about it. You've got your best friend or a colleague you work with, someone you trust above anybody else that you would talk to about anything and that they're there for you. And yet, would you not, like, if there's a problem, maybe raise it with them first? Like, just at yeah, least, like... I would. This is where I think like, we needed this scene. This is where I think we needed Kim confronting Bobby and Bobby opening up to Kim. Bobby, like, Bobby, what the hell's going on? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. It should have been, Bobby should have opened up to Kim rather than Doc, and he didn't really open up to Doc, really. Well, even when we'll get to this Doc stuff with Bobby in a second, which we'll get to, but I don't know, just to me, it's just... Uh, I've got a bit of a problem with the Bobby storyline this episode. Uh, meanwhile, yeah. we've just got a scene back in the uh, Sully going off with the uh, the falsified evidence. He, he yells uh, at this guy who obviously he knows some lawyer. 
Um, he's saying that everybody has a right to a fair trial, uh, except for me. You know, and I love how he says, like, you've got to use your word allegedly. You're basically already saying that I'm guilty. Which, can I just say, as a journalist, I know the importance of using the word allegedly in an article. Um, because if you don't use the word allegedly, you're basically implying guilt. So, uh, that's why if anybody ever watches a news report and they often use the word allegedly about 30 times over, like, you know, even if there's like a clear as day case, like if live on TV and like, do not comment on this because I'm sure people are probably dreaming this will happen and I'm not one of them. So FBI, CIA, don't arrest me. I'm Australian. If live on TV, Donald Trump is assassinated and we see a person walk up to him point blank, shoot him in the head, drop the gun, put his hands up and get arrested. Everyone in the world saw it. They know it was a person who did it. You would still have to use the word allegedly in a news report until he is convicted and found guilty by a court of law. That's what you got to do in the media. So, like, that's how... Even if it was broadcasted live and everybody saw it. Even if you saw it clear as day, you've still got to use the word allegedly. And people like Fox News aren't going to use it. But, like, you know, legal laws, media laws... You've got to do it. Because, again, you're implying guilt um, if you don't use the word allegedly, which is where, uh, you know, Sully uses this now, very well. Now Fox, now, Fox News, now that we're going there, Fox News would have used allegedly if some crazy right-winger had walked up to Obama and put a bullet in his head. Yeah, exactly. I can tell you that. Exactly. Good, very good example there. Um, so, yeah, just I, I just like the way he kind of says that and... He storms off. Have them come after me, you son of a bitch. Um, so <laughs> then we get another scene. This is kind of the Kim confronts Doc scene, but it's also, uh, you know, preceded by a lovely little Doc and Carlos moment again. They're cleaning up. Some guys shat all over the, uh, the ambulance. Uh, Florence Nightingale over here wanted to help a homeless man. Um, again, I want to see this scene. I want to see a homeless man shitting all over their bus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have a sick mind. Kind of like the homeless man. Kind of like the homeless man who shat all over the back of. <laughs> I tried to focus his car. I tried to warn you. Let... <laughs> Yosko yeah. and Bocus. Uh, hashtag Yosko <laughs> and Bocus. Um, but this is an- another little scene here in terms of like Carlos, you know, implying that Kim's obviously in because you know Kim said I'll clean the bus up for you, Carlos. I love Carlos walking off and just checking out Kim, like looking her up and down. Uh, this is where, yeah, Kim says, it's Bobby. Like, you know, she's going to Doc, telling her about Bobby. Obviously, she's seen the drugs. Um, then we get our next scene. Uh, Sergeant Christopher tells Davis, obviously, that Jackowitz has killed himself and put a note out saying that he was lying about the whole thing. Uh, so we basically find out that, yeah, Sally's going to get off the hook. Davis is all like, oh, I knew he didn't do it. Uh, then sort of Sergeant Christopher is all like, you know, oh, well, you know, just because he, um, killed himself doesn't mean he didn't do it. Um, anyway, so we've got, uh, Bobby laying on the bed, being bored. He just wants to get written out of third watch already. He's laying around. He's so bored. Up comes Doc, um, to talk to Bobby. And I love the little line here by Bobby. You're not going to kiss me, are you? Um, can I just ask the question here? Is this the very first time we've actually had a Doc and Bobby scene? Like, I, I feel like we've never had a, just a direct no, there, Doc there was, and Bobby there scene. Was... There was a brief one of them talking together in Ohio. Yeah, I was thinking that. Last season. I was thinking that. But, like, besides that, like, we just... It's weird to think that these are, like... Because, you know, you kind of see Davis and Yokus and, you know, Sully and Bosco. Like, you kind of get these connections all there. But you never really see the four main paramedics sort of interacting with each other that much. Because they're just so always separated. 
and and when we do, I just I just feel like I don't know. Just to me, watching this scene, it felt a bit awkward, a bit odd having uh, you know uh, Doc and Bobby. Uh, which, I mean, look, we, we talk about the pairings of how, like, they swap up the partnerships. Obviously, we've had Bosco and Davis. Uh, yes, I remember that happened. Uh, we had Jokas and Sully. Uh, we'll get, uh, Sully and Bosco at one point. We never get Davis and Jokas working together. Uh, but even with the paramedics, uh, we've had Kim and Doc. Uh, we've had Taylor and Doc. We will get, uh, Kim and Carlos from memory. Um, and we'll also get, uh, Kim and Taylor for a little bit. Uh, but we never get Bobby or, and Carlos. I mean, Bobby and Carlos sort of had a scene together when they were driving when he was looking for Sonny in the first season, but they don't work together. Uh, and we never get Bobby right. and, and Doc. So, I don't know, just random little things that I'm pointing out. But anyway, so Doc basically confronting Bobby here about the um, the the drugs. The morphine. And this is, again, like, this is yeah. just... I love how, like, these guys work together. They know each other. And he's just... I, I, I can understand why he's implying that he's on drugs because, you know, he's had the morphine. But, like, isn't there a better way of questioning him rather than automatically going down the route of the department has programs? Um, like, shouldn't this just be a case of are you doing drugs? No. Okay, I trust you. Like, I mean, where are the signs? Where are the signs that he's on drugs? He's Kim has seen one moment where, like, he's he's gotten the, the morphine. And I understand that, yes, maybe the dream section where he says, oh, I can't sleep, I've been having dreams, that obviously is enough for Kim to imply that he's on drugs. But, like, me not knowing too much about morphine, is morphine your go-to sleeping drug? I don't think so. Like, that have better <sighs> sleeping drugs than morphine, surely. Morphine's more of a pain reliever, not a sleeping drug, right? far as I know, yes. So, you know... I'm no medical expert. Any medical experts out there? Can you let us know? We ask every week on Nip Tuck, Darvel. <laughs> None of them reply. <laughs> um, so, they're ashamed they listen to the Oz Network. Um, but, but, like, the thing that I just do not get with this whole thing is, like, okay, Doc confronts Bobby. Are you on drugs? There are programs. Bobby's kind of like, oh, great, you think I'm doing dope. Uh, and it's, I guess it's kind of implied to me in his body language. It's kind of like, oh, great, you know, after everything I've gone through with my brother, you really think I'm going to be on dope. The thing that bothers me here is that Bobby then says, like, he doesn't flat out deny it. He sort of does. But then he says, if you had the opportunity to help anyone, you know, somebody to change your life, would you do it? And then uh, Doc says, what does he say? Something like, don't do anything stupid, uh, you know, whatever it is. And he's like, stay out of it. Now, to me, that's implying guilt. Like, he's been caught stealing drugs. He's basically saying to Doc, would you help someone out if you could? He goes off and helps dear old Francine go to sleep, which we'll get to. And from this point on, this is why this is a dirty kid storyline. Nothing happens. Like, like they're going to find Francine fair enough and they're just going to say she passed away in her sleep. There's not going to be anything suspicious to cause an autopsy or anything like that. But is this ever resolved? Does Doc at this point legitimately forget that, you know, she's had he's had a paramedic book concerns. Does, like, the next episode, Bobby and Kim, they're fine. They're back to being normal. It's like, at least when we had Yoka's putting out... Um, oh, God, I've forgotten his name. Caesar. Uh, Caesar, thank you. To, you know, let him leave him to die. At least the next episode, we had a bit of a, you know, a conclusion, slight conclusion, and it was even brought up a few episodes again later on in the season. Like... This is, like, a real issue to me that, like, I talk about Third Watch and their continuity and kind of their plot holes, and this maybe is, like, the first one to me that really is an, a glaring problem here, and it's not necessarily a dirty kid moment. But, uh, I'm saying it is a dirty kid moment, but you can excuse dirty kid because it was just, it's there and it's done. This is something that I think is a serious enough nature 
that like if he if my point here, I'm ranting. Ben rant number seventy three. If if Kim never saw him, if nobody saw him do this, yes, don't bring it up again. It's fair enough. My problem is is that people saw him steal the drugs. He's being questioned. He almost admits something doing to Doc. It's never brought up again. So like this is what I don't understand. And and like, is this just down to ah, we know he's leaving in a few episodes, so it doesn't really matter. Like, I don't know. Like, this, to me, is a glaring issue here, and I love this show to death. You know I love this show to death. But, like, there are times when I can't excuse certain things that happen in this show, and this is one of them. I finished my rant. I know you like this storyline more than I do, but I just I just have to point out some uh, glaring issues with this storyline. Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't think about it in that context. I was thinking more along, more along the lines of the question that it begs, and that's why I like it, because it makes you think... If you had that, if you had the chance to help end someone's suffering, would yeah. you do it? Yeah. And that's and that's why I like it because it begs that question, and it's still um, assisted su- assisted suicide. That is still a pretty hot button issue even now. Um, a few years ago, there was a, and this is this re this probably reignited the assisted suicide debate. You probably heard about this. A few years ago, here in here in the U.S., there was a 29-year-old woman. I forget where she was from in the U.S., but she had been diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor, mm-hmm. and she basically put a she she put a video up on YouTube introducing herself and uh, talking about what she was diagnosed with. Her family was in it as well, and how you know she wanted to. She called it "die with dignity." Yeah, there were there were some things that she she had a bucket list. There were things that she wanted to do, and then when she felt the time was right, quote unquote, she wanted to she wanted to die, and it it reignited that whole debate. Should people be allowed to do that if they're suffering from a terminal illness, and you know there's no chance of recovery, they're just going to get worse. Their family's going to watch them suffer. They're going to go through the suffering and all that. So. Yeah, that's why I like this storyline here with Bobby's with Bobby and his and his teacher and that decision that he's struggling with because it makes you ask yourself that question. Would you do that or would you or would you want that would you do that if you were in Bobby's shoes or would you want to end or would you want it to be over on your own terms, so to speak, if you were in Mrs. Bradley's shoes? And look, I, I completely agree with everything you just said, and I think that the storyline and an overall scheme of things is great that they ask you those questions. I, I 100% agree with you. I just think they could have done it, like, take out the elements of Bobby getting caught. Take out the Bobby pocketing the morphine scene. Take out the Doc questions him scene. Put in a brief explanation, like, or change it up to Kim confronts Bobby Bobby explains to Kim, change that up uh, or just take it out completely. Cause I think that if you take that bit out and you just got Bobby doing this, that like that leaves it more of an open door. It's kind of like a four day situation where you're kind of, you're on a, on a middle line there. I just, I just, yeah, I just think that this is just, it's, it's, it's lazy storytelling. And I hate saying that because this episode is written by Ed Allen Bonero, you know, one of the co-creators of this show and he's an amazing writer and this is an amazing TV show. But I just, like, I think kind of uh, an issue that I have with this, because, like, I know we've kind of said on lots of other shows that we're covering that, like, yeah, a show can't be perfect. Um, you know, there are going to be issues. There are going to be plot holes. You know, it can't tie everything up. 
But like when you've got this in a short space of time and it's just this brief little episode, it's just it's not explained well enough. And again, I might be I might be like being too harsh here because again, they might have written extra scenes in here where there is conclusion, but they have to cut the episode because it's a forty two minute episode. They can't air everything that they film. So again, there might be deleted scenes here that explain this in context that uh, I'm just you know that have never been released and we'll never know about. But to me, it's just it's just it's just lazy when it comes to the grand scheme of things. That essentially this borders down to Bobby assisting suicide, highly illegal. I mean, it's it's again, that's not me talking about my opinions on the matter or like that. As you were saying, it's it's left to the interpretation of the viewer. But whether you like the opinion of it or not, it's illegal. You know, it's 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 still an illegal act, and he's doing it. He gets away with it even though he's sort of been caught in the process of doing it and it's never raised again. And this is a show that is like hyper-realistic, at least at this point, that they go out of their way to be realistic with a lot of things. So there's Ben's rant. That's my issue. Um, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be illegal. Though. Absolutely agree. Oh, 100% hands Assi- down agree. Assist- assisted suicide. For sure. It shouldn't. It should not be illegal. No, I absolutely agree with you there, Darvell, 100%. Um, and that's obviously a whole other kettle of fish in terms of talking about that. But, um, yeah, anyway, there's there's Ben's rant. Uh, so Number 5,470. Yeah, it's, it's up there somewhere. Uh, and, and as always, whenever Ben has a rant, um, anybody listening to this, please, you know, comment on the episode. Let us know. Um, we, we'd obviously love to hear, you know, opinions and thoughts and that sort of stuff and how much I'm probably just an absolute, you know, negative Nancy going back to what I was saying in this episode. Uh, but so we get um, Yosko Yos- and Bocus again talking about dreams. Um, <laughs> and then I love how Yosko is like, I'm really worried about we, you, Boz. He's just having dreams. Like, why is she so worried about him? I have some pretty fucked up dreams, but like, you know, oh, I'm really worried about your dreams, Ben. Like, you know, you can't help your dreams. Um, and then I love nope. y- Yoga's here. Oh, have some herbal tea and watch a movie. And then Boss goes, oh, I'm surrounded by all this new age crap. And then, you know, Yoga's just like, look, I mean it. You know, Channel 4 showing some really good old movies at the moment. High Noon, Bridge Over the River Kwai. And then kind of he's just like, wait a minute. You know, the TV, I'm hearing it loud at night. Oh, that's why I'm having these dreams. Um, so it's kind of like... They aren't really dreams. <laughs> we're going to get a fun little scene here with Bosco in a second with his neighbor. I do, like, there's just a random little scene here, and this is kind of a real blink-and-you-miss-it scene here. When Bosco storms off, I love Yoko's just randomly looks at herself in the mirror, and she's just kind of like, mm. She just kind of, like, groans at herself and walks off. Like, it's just a random little scene. It's just kind of funny, though. I don't know. I just I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah. This is where we get uh, Kim sort of and Bobby... Uh, Kim, like, come on, Kim. She says, oh, you haven't spoken two words to me all shift. I wonder why, Kim. Uh, <laughs> and, and then... Yeah, for once in your life, mind your own damn uh, business. I have to say, I do like Bobby. I mean, I love Kim. You know I love Kim. But I kind of love Bobby really standing up to Kim here. It's not like... She's kind of done it in the past before with Kim when they've had their little arguments. But I just love the way he full-on puts his foot down here. He's like, Kim, for once yeah, in your life... For once mind- in your life, mind your own damn business. Yep, like, full-on, yeah. like, really gets there. This is where we get the fun little scene with Bosco in his apartment. First time, I believe, we ever see Bosco's apartment building um, in his Def Leppard T-shirt, storming down. You gotta turn that down, dude! Bangs on the door. And, and he clearly doesn't expect what he sees. It's a hot opens. chick. Of course it's a hot chick. He's got a very annoying voice. Can I just point out? Uh, I love Bosco. Kind of just like, oh, you know what I do? Herbal tea. 
uh, yeah, you know, guys probably think it's a bit foofy or something. Uh, and she's just like, I like a guy who's a leader and not a follower. I'll give it a try. Her voice is so annoying. Um, <laughs> And then, if it wasn't so babyish, if it wasn't such a babyish voice, it honestly would have. Eh, you would have lost been your a virginity. Sexy. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been kind of difficult, <laughs> considering I had no one with me when I was watching Third Watch last night. But well, um, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Your but hand. in any case, <laughs> in, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yeah, that too. Um, but in any case. In any case, if it wasn't so babyish, yeah, that would have been a pretty sexy voice. But uh, I don't know. It's just, again, one of these random scenes, and I'm sure people are probably screaming it, oh, Ben, this is a dirty kid scene. It goes nowhere. But, like, again, difference here is that you can have your fun throwaway scenes that are just kind of there. It's like the kid, uh, you know, Carlos stuff, which we'll get to again here in a second. It's just it's just random. It's funny, but it's, it's kind of done in a way that it doesn't need any loose ends tying up. Uh, when you've got a character right. assisting suicide of another person breaking the law and getting caught... It does need to be followed up. So, you know, or when you've got a character finding a homeless kid and washing him because he's dirty, hashtag dirty kid, uh, you know, what's the point? <laughs> so, anyway, Ben, <laughs> settle down. Have your juice. Uh, <laughs> I wonder who played, I wonder who played random, Bo- I wonder who played random Boscarelli neighbor. Uh, I have that information actually up, funnily enough, uh, Darvell Stewart. Uh, Laurie Bagley played her, and if I'm not mistaken, she was in uh, Veronica's Closet. She was. Uh, she was June Bilson Anderson, um, which, you know, esteemed uh, <laughs> Veronica's Closet. I know it's been brought up as jokes before in previous episodes of uh, The Oz Network, but uh, I watched it in the 90s. No shame. Uh, we get this scene here. Kim and Carlos. Carl, Kim, I need to talk to you. Oh, I love really need to get It just won't work. It won't work. I'm flattered. I've got to work with you. There's a Jimmy thing. I respect him. You've got a kid. Since when did Carlos respect Jimmy? Um, I guess, you know, he wants to sleep around a lot like Jimmy does. Uh, and then I just love, like, Kim's reaction here. She has no idea what he's talking about. And he's just like, it won't work between but us. But she plays along. And she's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's like, are we Okay. We're okay. Uh, they hug. This is the most awkward hug. Oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, then we get a couple of powerful scenes to close us off. We've got uh, David showing up to Sully's house. Uh, he's left the door open because he's waiting, I guess, to apologize to Tatiana. Um, but then uh, we've got Sully in his scrapbook, you know, with all these memories that he wants to remember. They're drinking beer. Uh, I'm just before we get to kind of the, the crux of this conversation, I'm slightly weirded out here by Sully with his beer that he pours his beer into a mug, which I'm guessing that's for Davis, and then he's like drinking scotch or something. I don't know. Like I don't get what he's doing with the beer. And since when do men drink beer out of glasses? Like we're men, we just drink out of the bottle. Um, but this is obviously- I like to. Dr- I like to pour it. I like to pour it. I like to pour it into, into a chilled glass occasionally, but. Okay. But not not very often. I prefer to drink it straight out of the bottle, too, because then it's not as foamy. You pour beer into a glass, and if you don't know how to do it, oh, my God, the foam is terrible. Good good call there. Absolutely true. Uh, but this is basically where we kind of get Sully admitting that he kind of did falsify evidence in a way. This is, again, it's I guess kind of the overall theme of this episode is kind of doing the wrong thing uh, for the right reasons. For the right reasons. Um, so, I mean, basically, Sully, basically all he does is admit here is that to convict this killer, they had to move a T-shirt from the bin to the car 
because the search warrant did not include the rubbish bins, so therefore um, they had to move the evidence, falsifying the evidence. Everybody knew that they did it. We got this really like dramatic music followed by like Davis's like shocked face, like "Oh my god, you actually did it!" Um, and then sort of Sally says, "Yep, I'll do it again." Um, and uh, we haven't done this in a while in terms of talking about why the episode is called a certain name. Obviously, it's called Judy because this is kind of when Sally says, I had a duty to do. So, this is kind of when we get the bit of a drop line there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's... This is, again, maybe a slight little issue here with this storyline for me in terms of... I haven't really talked too much about the Sally storyline. I've been ripping shit into Bobby. This is kind of, again, where this whole episode, it's sort of just... It's not overly visited again and it's kind of more of a case I feel this episode is done to kind of question Sully being happy and can he ever be happy um it's it's and I guess you know history was done Doc's not necessarily always a saint I understand that but it's kind of just implied here that like you know what else has Sully done in his sordid past that kind of has done this and we obviously get a whole plot line around that season six when it comes to like Davis's dad but it's done in you know still a whole different way and you know 99% of the time Sully's still the soul of the earth good cop but it's just, I don't know, like, it just seems a bit weird that, and again, I know Sally hasn't killed someone, but he's still obviously talking here about the fact that he's done this, and he, like, where was this going in terms of, like, if, if Jackowitz hasn't killed himself, was Sally going to jail? Was he then going to admit to it? So, I mean, Sully is basically perjuring himself and lying a lot of the time, even though I guess, in technically, he doesn't actually openly admit at any point in this episode that he didn't do it, does he? So, I guess technically he doesn't. No. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on this storyline. I mean, I'm a bit... Eh, I'm not as down on it as the Bobby stuff. I think there's a point to it a little bit more than Doc having killed someone in his past. But, yeah, I don't know. I just... I, eh, I'm i just a bit meh on this storyline. The, su- the Sully storyline, it was kind of your... Honestly, I think it was your kind of typical cop show storyline. Yeah. Good point, yeah. Not really... Not really, a, not really a fan of the Sully storyline here. Yeah, because we've seen it a billion times in a billion other cop shows. That's a very good point, actually. It's one of your typical, and it's kind of like what I was trying to point out: how like the the doc history. It kind of felt like just a, your typical TV storyline. Let's create sort of a bit of manufactured drama for you know one episode arc. Why not? So yeah, you're absolutely right. This is like a, a cop show manufactured drama storyline with. Eh. You know, but I mean, I guess we get a bit of an inkling here on Sully. But again, this is never revisited again. Davis's face is out of complete shock. Like he, this whole time, Davis is defending his partner. Oh, I know he didn't do it. He finds out he does do it. This doesn't change their relationship. It's not like in an episode's time, Davis is like, oh, I'm still a bit skeptical of you, Sully, because you falsified this evidence and lied to me. So like, you know, it's, it's kind of, again, you can excuse it. It's not, you know, a a 24 or a loss where, you know, every single storyline week to week is 100% connected. I get that, um, you know, before people are shouting down at me, you know, saying how it was different. And I, I do get that, but I don't know. There are some times where things do need to be slightly continued on a bit. Um, this yeah. obviously closes us off with a um, pretty sad song, which I was going to look mm. up, actually. Um which maybe I will look up quickly while I'm talking about it. Um, so we get Bobby sort of waiting outside the apartment. He's kind of pacing back and forth, doesn't know what he's going to do. Uh, he eventually just walks in, goes up, injects the morphine, and leaves. Like again, this is another issue. Like he doesn't even he whoa, 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 whoa. he doesn't even he doesn't even sit with her. Nope. He just goes in, injects. And walks out. And then kind of, like, we get it. It's hard I mean, for does him. Does she even know he's there? Well, yeah, they do. They all know they're there and everything, that sort of stuff. Um, the song is called uh, Pink Moon. Uh, sorry, no, the song. No, that's the album. 
Uh, the song is called Road by Nick Drake. That is a song. It's a, it's a nice emotional song. I'm not taking away from the song, but I just thought I'd point out there. Uh, and there's a great website for those ever wanting to uh, know music from Third Watch, which, again, if you've got Shazam on your phone, you can easily find out straight away. But uh, if you go to it's a website, episodeworld.com forward slash show forward slash Third Watch. Uh, they've actually got a list of all the songs that have appeared in all the episodes. So there's a little tip there for anybody watching along wanting to know the names of the songs. Um, yeah, no, he, he just walks in, injects, leaves. And this is kind of another issue I have. Like, he just walks in and doesn't leave and then kind of leaves. And I guess, you I know, mean, fair enough. Like, he but, wants them to be alone as they kind of have a sad little moment. But uh, I just uh, this is just very forced I mean, TV down your throat scene. Yeah, I mean, if the, if if... I mean, I would think... And I, I do agree with you here. If if the te- if Mrs. Bradley meant that much to him, and maybe this was another case, maybe they shot something more extended but couldn't fit it in. Maybe they act- Maybe he goes in, actually talks. Maybe they did a scene, you know, where he goes in, talks with them, talks with Mrs. Bradley, and injects her, and they sit, and the three of them sit in there together. I don't know. I just yeah, I agree, and maybe- like. This is it raises a similar point here in the fact that like it's you just get this random woman brought in who's a teacher, we're meant to care for her and all this sort of stuff because she had an impact on his life. Like, do it with a different person. Like, this is this will be my point when we get to Bobby's episodes in a couple episodes of time. I think you could, and again, I'm not taking away from those storylines because I think they work in their own context. But I think you could have used it more effectively with somebody else involved, and we'll get to that. Don't make this Bobby's teacher. Make it like a family member or like. His mother, maybe not his mother, but like I don't know, like have something here which you've got to be more emotionally connected to because I mean, to legitimately he walks in, injects and leaves. Um, yeah, okay, and then he kind of he leaves and he's crying. Uh, I don't know, like I, I'm with Bobby Cannavale here. No wonder he's left this show. I mean, I love this show, but like I mean, they're just not doing anything with him. Um, and when they do, it's silly. So anyway, that's Judy. We're done. Uh, anything more to add on this before we get to our evil review section? No. All right. Um, what are you doing it's with it? It's time for the Evil Review. What are you doing with it? I'm going to say. I'm going to say a. I'm going to say a low buy. Oh, you're going to buy it still? Okay, there we go. All right. Yeah. Be- because I mean, I can see your. I can see your issues with the Bobby storyline, but I again, I like that storyline. Because of the question it raised. Okay. Understandable. Um, yeah. I think this is similar to history. That I kind of went in thinking like, oh, you know, maybe be a low buy or a high rent. I think, like, if anything, my mind sort of swayed more the other direction. I'm going to say this is a low rent, actually. I've kind of my opinion that the more I talk about this out loud kind of changes me a little bit. And again, there's good stuff. Similar to history. There's good stuff in this episode. That's why I can rent it and not think about binning it. You know, I like the Carlos and Kim stuff. I didn't really mention too much about the Bosco stuff. I like the random Bosco stuff, which is kind of just there. Um, you know, part of the Sully stuff works for me. I like the kind of brief Tatiana bits here and there. You know, uh, I, I kind of like a few bits in there with that sort of stuff. 
but just the the Bobby stuff just takes me away and should have even really mentioned in terms of the the balancing of this episode we we talk about kind of how third watch does the the balancing of the storylines usually so well but like you kind of one way of looking at it too we've kind of got Kim and Bobby Kim sort of being how she is and then kind of getting told off by Bobby and that's just kind of swept under the rug but she's also involved in a bit of a comedic storyline too so it's kind of it's a bit weird that Kim's balanced out and serious versus comedy and it to me doesn't really play off at each other that well so yeah I you know I've I've definitely broken my streak now I've I've rented two uh, from this season um so uh I'm currently uh 11 and 2 for buyouts and rents this season um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm 99.9% certain that the remaining nine episodes of this season, uh, are all going to be buys from me because there's really not a bad episode to finish this season off. That's, that's the one point no. I'll say. And again, not saying this is a bad episode. I would still watch Judy over probably a lot of season six and season five episodes. Um, but, um, yeah, this is, this is where I'm going with it. Uh, that leads us so, uh, Mr. Darvell Stewart, um, wow. What an episode. I fucking love the next episode. A rock and a hard place. A rock place. and a hard place. Now, look, I said After Hours is the best episode this season and probably the best of third watch in the history of the show. The self-importance of being Carlos, second best of this season, maybe the second best episode in the history of this show. Uh, you know, I, I talked about Run of the Mill, uh, being how good that is and, uh, you know, obviously, uh, talking up how I forgot how much of a good episode that is as well. Uh, so many good episodes this season uh, when we get to Exposing Faith. What a great episode that is. Man Enough, what a great episode that is. Requiem for a Banterweight, Unfinished Business, great episodes they are. This maybe is going to be the the third or fourth best episode of this season, maybe arguably a top 10, top 15 episode in the history of Third Watch. It's a great episode. We, we talk about random pairings of uh, people working together and kind of being there. We get a whole episode of Bosco, Yokus, Carlos, and Doc locked underground. Um, and mixed with that, we talked about Kim having uh, wanting a quiet shift. We get an incredibly quiet shift, which involves people getting hung up by their pants, firefighters shooting stuff off the roof. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is... Uh, I love that scene. It is our implied threesome episode. We get a, the ongoing resolution we've been dying for between Taylor and Bobby. Um, so... Oh, yes. We get some great stuff. I love A Rock and a Hard Place. Uh, do you have anything to, to add on, uh, on A Rock and a Hard Place? Be looking forward to it, listeners. Oh, because we're certainly looking forward to talking about it. Such a good episode. Um, I'm telling you now, it's a buy. <laughs> I haven't even talked about it yet. Uh, but in the meantime, please let us know your thoughts on this episode, anything that we've said. Tell me I'm a dickhead, all those kind of usual things. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes, <laughs> Spotify, Stitcher, the usual places. Like us on Facebook. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, as always. And uh, we look forward to... To continuing on our coverage of Third Watch, my name is Ben, and Darvell, me and you won't work. My name is Darvell, and... So what do I say in response to that? (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.